where I came from. Everybody <laughs> says you came from there. Did you come from, were you born in Waycross, Georgia? He said, no. I said, okay, so your mama didn't drop you off at the hospital here. No. You didn't go into false labor here. No. You didn't even stop over and spend the night while she was pregnant. No. <laughs> so I then posted the picture that Bert was so generous. He kept having his guy take pictures of the two of us. He was such a nice guy. Cool. And he, so he had one and I posted it later. It said, one of these actors was born in Waycross. <laughs> <laughs> Something in the water taught me in the water told me how to fall. Hey, welcome to another episode of Something in the Water podcast. I'm Sean Clark. I'm Uncle Dave Griffin, and that's Justin Mercer of Caution Light Media behind the board making this thing go. Yep. And our guest this week is our good buddy, John Yeomans. Hello there. Uh, John is is uh, aware of many hats. <laughs> John is a musician, an actor, a playwright, a producer. You've probably danced. An you, actor. You know, dance. Yeah, uh, you yeah. could be you call it that. <laughs> Song and dance man. Song and dance man. <laughs> and I guess you could go as far as say you're a songwriter too, because you have written oh, yeah, yeah. songs into your uh, musicals uh, and your plays. And that's stuff really like what I started out doing. Well, we're glad to have you, buddy. Well, I'm glad to be here, Dave. Yeah. You know, yeah. Sean. Yeah. <laughs> hey. Uh, it's. it's um, so yeah, your cool. big thing, though, I guess, uh, as as far as uh, what would you call your your main bag? I, well, I, I don't know. I guess it's kind of like you know, you say you do so many things. Mm -hmm. I wonder if I'm good at anything because you, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But uh, um, now you know, deep down <laughs> in my heart, you know, it's a musician because you know, like I say, so many of the shows that I've written. Mm -hmm. You know, they're, they're musicals or they're plays with music. Mm -hmm. And so really, that's what I enjoy the most. Uh, but, you know, the acting's great, too. Um, spend a lot of time sitting in pit orchestras, watching people act on stage. And I thought, oh, God, if they can do that, I can do that. So, mm -hmm. Oh, okay. Cool. Kind so of the way it happened. Did you kind of, that's how you kind of started out in the pit as, as a musician? Yeah, yeah. yeah. As a really young kid, I played uh, double reed instruments. So, you know, that was kind of rare. As a matter of fact, I went on and uh, double reed. Uh, that's the bassoon, the English horn, the oboe. Oh, yeah. But I mean, I also played um, bass and uh, sax and clarinet. Just depended Indeed. on, you know, what they needed. Uh, I never played any brass because I don't have any lips. <laughs> so, so, you know, I was born with a lip deficiency. So, you know, what can I say? Well, that's interesting, though. I mean, you were on you were on this side of the stage 
and mm-hmm. and uh, that's what uh, uh, Im- impacted you. Uh, was the other side of the stage so much watching it from the pit, and naturally, I mean that was your progression. You just <laughs> you said, "I got to have me some of that." Well, you're right, and I grew up yeah. around music. I had a very musical family. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mom played. My sister played. You know, we had music all around us, so it was always. You know, the the first part of, you know, what was going on. Actually, I um, kind of fell into theater by accident. Uh, mm. I, I had a, a there was a, a little medical thing that happened for a while. I ended up dropping out of college. And I got bored as I started to get well. And I just said, well, I can go and audition for a part. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, it just worked. So and then I found out you could make money doing it. So. Mm-hmm. Cool. That's what you do. <laughs> now, uh, the pl- a play I've I've seen probably three times that you've written and uh, performed in is Psycho the Musical. <laughs> yeah, was that the first? Was that your first play? Uh, that was the first uh, thing that ever actually got put on stage. Yeah. Um, and it happened as a fluke. Uh, Nancy Campbell, the late and great Nancy mm-hmm. Campbell, who, along with her husband, John, yeah. founded the Waycross Area Community Theater. And they had founded theaters all over the country. And I guess really over all over the world, he'd even formed one in the um, compound in Riyadh in Saudi oh, Arabia wow. when he was over there. But uh, they were just sitting back one day and they said, why don't you write a parody? <laughs> So I said, well, okay, because I had done this kind of thing just for fun, little short Mm -hmm. things. And so I thought about it and. um, I love the idea of that. Well, we tried to think of, you know, you know, I try, I asked people, what what would work, you know? And then I kept thinking, you know, and the Night of the Living Dead went through my head and the Exorcist (laughs) and Rosemary's Baby and just all these things. A psycho just sort of fit. Yeah. And I had all but like one or two of the songs already written. You know how it is. You have a song, it has one set of lyrics. You change them. <laughs> Make it fit. Into it. Yeah. And um, I got to give credit to Melissa West, uh, yeah. uh, you know, a compadre of yours. Yep. You know, um, school she, she sat there and she typed the whole thing as I paced back and forth and just dictated. And then we would play the recordings of the music, and I would tell her what the lyrics were going to be. And then when we got through, I would sing it and make sure it worked. And we'd take that song and those pages of dialogue to the actors that night, and then they didn't have anything else until we got there the next day with the new stuff. Wow. And from that, people liked it, did it over and over. That was great. You know, well, thanks. I appreciate that, especially from you, you know. Because so that was done uh, uh, here in Waycross. Yeah, originally, yeah. Yeah, and uh, what was the was it W A C T? Yeah, yeah, and uh, the Downtown Waycross Development Authority, okay. which Nancy was running then, they actually put up the first money for it. Um, we were shocked. I mean, you know, as soon as. Uh, Bill West had walked out there as Albert Hitchcock. Just people started laughing, and you know, and we it got kind of rocky. If you were there, because you were there for that yeah. early stage, it was kind of like a Rocky Horror thing. They yeah. were screaming and yelling, and 
enjoying the fact that I was killing her. And, <laughs> and uh, you know. WACT was Waycross Area Community yeah. Theater. Was yeah. that uh, played out on the stage of the Ritz? Down at the Ritz. Yeah, the and old we Ritz did it there. And then uh, we moved to uh, uh, Trembling Earth, started doing it. Uh, and we did it above KD's, yeah. and it was real mm-hmm. successful there. And then I took it out to, I think in between then, took it out to Missouri and did it out there in a oh. dinner theater, and we yeah. sold out. It was successful there, so we proved that Hicks everywhere mm-hmm. can get it, you know. <laughs> so, you know, so, and then uh, a few years ago, I thought, well, you know, I'd like to revisit it and update the soundtrack. Oh. Because when I had done it originally, I'd done it you know, on a synthesizer, and it was all me. Yeah. And uh, a, a good guy, Forrest Sloan, who was yeah. a friend of my son, he uh, gets a great guitar player. Mm. And uh, mm-hmm. we just sat down together. I said, I just want some edge on it. And he definitely put the edge mm-hmm. on it. And it sounds great. And so now uh, they're doing it in California. So I feel like <laughs> technically I've been you know, played in California all over the state. <laughs> so who's doing awesome. it in California? Um, to- um, Mask Entertainment, uh, which is a theater group. I got a call from a guy, Chris Carver, who had actually done the show the first time I ever paid people for it years ago. And he said, if I ever get anywhere, I'm going to pay you back by doing this show. Neat. Yeah. And he called me up one day and he said, hey, we want to do the show out here in California. I said, okay, great. I, I just redone the soundtrack, so it'd be great. Mm-hmm. And then he says, there's one catch, and I hope you don't mind. <laughs> and I'm thinking, oh, God, what is this? Yeah, What is this? I don't get any money. That was my first thing. <laughs> I don't get any money. And he said, I'm going to cast the lead role of Marion who gets killed in the shower mm-hmm. with a contestant from RuPaul's Drag Race. And I'm like, I don't care who you cast, yeah. you know, I don't care. Yeah. As long as your checks don't bounce, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and you do a good job, yeah. leave the script and the music intact, I'll be happy. I don't care. Do what you want. Right. Yeah. That's cool. So you speaking of money, you know, uh, how does that work? I'm, I'm assuming that it's about like the same thing with songwriters. We mm-hmm. write a song, somebody covers it, they pay a certain royalty mm-hmm. or royalty. something yeah, like that. Yeah, it's just it's like that with all plays, permission you pay, or whatever. You, yeah, called, you, yeah, you just have a contract, and they pay yeah. a you know for each production that they do. Yeah, um, depending on you know what it is and. How successful you know it's going to be, you know, mm-hmm. you, you, you negotiate those things as you oh, go. So, okay. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot of the same thing. Uh, most of the music end up, ends up, you know, as ASCAP or BMI. And, mm-hmm. and then, you know, most shows then eventually end up being bought out by somebody like Tams Widmark or, you know, somebody who produces musicals. So okay. That's kind of the way that. So as a writer, as the writer of Psycho, uh, what Psycho the musical? The musical, mm-hmm. and yeah. then it's a parody, so it, we can get right. away with it. Yeah. Thank you, Two Live Crew, by the way. Thank you, Two Live Crew, <laughs> and the Supreme Court. Thank you, thank you for yeah. that. You know, thank you, Pretty Woman. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I'm like, yeah, 
they've really made it so that we can do this kind of thing, you know, it protects yeah. people who do parody from so, being, mm-hmm. you know, sued because. Yeah. It's not no. like you're still in. You're just something you're, fun. you're having fun with mm-hmm. the, the yeah. theme of. Yeah. Yeah. Did you do, uh, how many have you done total? I mean, as far as, uh, screenplays. Oh, uh, you, how many or, things have I written? Or? I'm not sure about the terminology. Well, here. I mean, like um, shows for the stage, actually, I guess it, are called. it's kind of hard to say for, in a way. Musicals, because, I mean, like I wrote a musical that was uh, um, done out in Missouri about Molly Brown. Well, when they no longer needed that anymore, I took off, brought it home and like I said, used music ever again and used it as a music for a musical version of uh, a Christmas carol. Okay. Your niece Gracie was in a production of it. Yeah. 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 And, uh, so there's no, nothing like stealing from yourself. That's right. Neil Young does it all the time. Can't get in trouble for that. So (laughs) I do that a lot. (laughs) You know, hey, who's who's your own best yeah. source, you know? <laughs> right. Who knows what you like? <laughs> Who were some of the uh, actors in, in the original Psycho? Wow. Down here. Well, yeah. Rhonda Woods. I remember her, that she, name. She did that. And Melissa West. Yep. Mm-hmm. And um, Gus Darden. No was in the original yeah. cast. Oh, it's so hard. It's been so darn long. Well, it was quite funny. When we won the Broadway World Awards for the production that was in Palm Springs, God. one of the awards that we won was Best New Show. And I laughed. I said, Best New 25-year-old show. (laughs) It's only a quarter of a century old, so, you know, brand new, isn't it? That shows you the way they they look at it. You know, it's like, you're an overnight sensation. (laughs) Yeah, right. One time I saw, uh, this is just coming to me now, that it was next door to the Ritz. Right. That was in the the Academy of the Arts, which is where Chris, who did it, Chris Garber. Yeah, that's yeah. he. That's the production he was in, actually. <laughs> and really and truly, God bless you for saying, you know, that you enjoyed it because that was such a bad production. Oh, I, I try to catch it every time I can. <laughs> every time you do it. Bless your heart because that was just a bad production. But that happens, you know. Oh, well. You have good productions. Well, it had its moments. I mean, you know, it had some, you know, it still had Bill West said who was fabulous. And, of course, um <laughs> See, it's theater loud, so it's the way it works. And then you and Blanche Brumbelow also, who was just great. So it, it was great. And Edmund Pedrick, Edmund on the keyboard over there playing these little things. You know, it's like, well, I've decided that right here I'm going to play a minor version of There's a Small Hotel. What do you think? I'm like, go ahead. And after she dies, I'm going to play a little bit of Mendelssohn Spring song. (laughs) I'm like, go for it, buddy. Do whatever you want. I gave him very little direction. He was priceless. Yeah. Edmund Pedrick was one of the greats. He really was. And uh, uh, he and I, we, you know, he, he wrote quite a few plays himself and was very musical. I mean, he was such a talented. Pianist. I mean, yeah. 
he could play anything. And uh, we both kind of got the urge to start writing at the same time, so we would swap manuscripts back and forth. He said, well, I wouldn't change one thing except. <laughs> and then he'd tell you, you know. The plot. So, yeah, well, right. Well, you know, he actually only ever got me on one thing, on the Lydia Stone thing, on the legend of Lydia. He said, here's one expression they would have never used, and I took it out. You remember what that was? I have no idea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I have no idea at all. I've lost a lot of brains <laughs> since then, and, you know, I have no idea. But, and and but, uh, Lydia Stone, The Legend of Lydia Stone, you've already done that. I haven't seen that one. Well, we did. did originally, um, I was out on tour with uh, a group out of Rome and Atlanta doing Pinocchio. And one of the uh, actresses who was working in the show, Jenny uh, Klein, now she's Caruso, um, knew a lot about outdoor drama. And I told her a little about Lydia Stone, who I'd been hearing about all my life since Mm -hmm. I was a little boy. Mm -hmm. And she says, oh, that's a great story. So we just started writing. And she was sort of like the the thing, but uh, (laughs) Melissa, a lot of it, I just rattled off facts and stuff. And she knew the nature of outdoor historical drama. So she would say, you need to let's do this. So she was a great guide on cool. that, especially, yeah. And I've added a lot of stuff to it since, but we whipped it out in a hurry. So, mm-hmm. uh, For people who are uh, not aware of uh, White Cross, Georgia, and the surrounding areas, uh, rich history, uh, we, we're – about eight miles from the Okefenokee Swamp Park in Waycross. And uh, the Okefenokee Swamp is like one, isn't it one of the eight wonders of the world? Or is it like next <laughs> next on the list? I don't know. Well, I guess as far as everyone here in South Georgia, as far as we're concerned, it is. And we don't care, don't mess with us. It's the biggest thing. We but if you look at your map of Georgia right. and you see down in the southeast corner there, the this largest black. Yes, it's yes. huge. It yes. goes down into Florida, you know. But it, anyhow, uh, Lydia Stone was a timber baroness that uh, lived and worked in that Okefenokee Swamp as hard as any man ever would. And uh, <laughs> and uh, John uh, has it, uh, chosen to uh, bring her to life in one of his productions which is pretty clever (laughs) well thank you and and she wasn't hard to come up with material on i mean like i say i've been hearing about her since i was a little boy Mm -hmm. we Uh, all have yeah uh, Yeah. fully henson who was uh, a mortician but he actually he prepared her body and he did a lot of you know that kind of entertaining Mm -hmm. work for the family and he would tell stories about her, and he was colorful, too. So <laughs> you really, you know, you were always thinking, boy, this woman really had to be a trip. And then the more I found out about her, Bob Hurst was a big source of yeah. things. And then, you know, people like, oh, gosh, um, Edmund knew who she was. Yeah. Uh, and just all these people, a lot of them have sadly passed. Yeah, yeah. And I was lucky enough So when did to, Lydia pass? Uh, she passed in uh, 1938. Okay. 
the big events that everybody talks about in her life is that really her father came down here with um, uh, General Floyd when they were having the Seminole Wars after the mm. Wilds Massacre. Mm. You don't know that. That's yeah. the last Indian massacre in the state of Georgia. Mm-hmm. So she came to this area and her father became a school teacher. Supposedly, she only spent six or five days in school. It kind of varies. Said she didn't need to do that. But she could outfigure any man in the world. And you really, she had this amazing head for numbers. And it goes that um, she was a giantess. She was over six feet tall, wore a size 11 or 12 man shoe. Mm-hmm. She started out with a cow, a sow, and $10,000. She owned all the land eventually from cow, a sow, and a thou. <laughs> really? Cow, man. a sow, and 10000 well, Yeah. <laughs> and, and she ended up with all that land from the Swamp Park all the way to Race Pond. Wow. I missed wow. his folks in line down there. And, and uh, she was a trip. She had she, a lot of husbands. Uh, she had two. Two? She had two. The was first it? one was Gordon Stone, and they had gotten in trouble more than once for just cohabitating. So eventually they married, and he was not a real healthy man. He drank quite a bit. Mm-hmm. He died, and when after after he died, she married again to uh, a fellow, J. Melton Cruz, who was 40 years her junior. That was baby doll. Doll baby. Doll baby. Doll baby. Doll baby. And um, she used to pick him <laughs> up, didn't she? And just so <laughs> like She that. just basically, uh, well, you know, the rumor goes she went out to the bunkhouse one day and early morning picked out the one she liked the best and she just brought him on home based on what and then loved him well i mean you know the sun rises early in the morning in the swamp and uh you know but he was a he he was uh young but he was she treated him like a boy because she always wanted to have children she never had children yeah. She wanted to have red-headed children. He was a redhead. Oh, God. Um, Checked off all the... But he was a, a bad boy in some things whenever he was young. Yeah. You know, he, he kind of flirted around. And eventually he got in trouble for shooting their neighbor and was, you know, convicted and sent to jail. Uh-huh. But Liddy took care of that. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's, that's <laughs> a famous story. She'd been... Uh, I guess it was Governor Talmadge. Yeah. She bribed Governor Talmadge with a check to get a pardon. Mm. And as soon as she got him out of the jail, ball baby, she went down to the bank and stopped paying on the check. <laughs> oh, God. <boots. laughs> and, yeah, she was, she was a trip. <laughs> like, she was a trip. I don't think we said this yet. She was called the Queen of the Swamp. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Queen of the Yucky Finoki. Yeah. Uh, uh, way back when, I don't know why we ended up at Queen of the Swamp. I think we were looking for lyrics for song, and Swamp just worked better than Okie for So it's actually Okie for Well, it's, yeah, it can be all, we hear it all different ways. Yeah. And you hear all these different stories, and we have, you know, we've had people go, well, that ain't exactly the way it goes. And I'm going to say, well, can you really not dramatize something that's got so much, you know, yeah. going on? You, you got to put it together in a time period that people can deal with, yeah. you know, because mm-hmm. you could just talk forever. Yeah. <laughs> it was a trip. Well, uh, thinking about the uh, Okefenokee Swamp reminds me of all of the, and this goes back to uh, 
acting and everything, but thinking about all those, uh, they weren't great movies, but they were movies. And it was uh, a time period where Hollywood was discovering the Okie Pinocchio. Mm-hmm. Was it, what was it, 50s? Well, uh, in the 40s now, the first film that was done, Swamp uh, Water, you know, based on the Vereen Bell novel, was actually, you know, it had Ann Baxter and John Carradine, um, Walter Brennan. That was the Walter Brennan. Um, Dana Andrews. I mean, really Big good names. cast. Yeah. And then the remake, Lure of the Wilderness, also had some pretty good names for the time. It would not have been, an, the, I would say Swamp Water would probably have been considered an A picture. Yeah. And very unusual to be shot on location at that period of time. Wow. But sure enough, in the old Ware Hotel were all these stars. I mean, you know, of course, we had royalty who stayed there too. Yeah. It was big times. I it, remember seeing the pictures uh, of of uh, the throngs of people that would gather in front of the Lyric Theater when the, I guess, the premiere. Mm-hmm. When, the, when, when the movie Duh. came to town and they had the stars come mm-hmm. back for that uh, that first showing. And, uh, boy, it was, uh, that was, uh, that was when downtown was. Alive right. and well. And, uh, it was great, you know. Uh, and like many towns across America, you know, that's uh, through the years it suffered when when malls started going up on the edges of town. And the highways. And highways started bypassing and so forth and so on. The downtowns tended to suffer. Very few, but there's some uh, uh, civic-minded and forward-thinking uh people in these towns have made it happen and brought it back. Mm -hmm. And uh, I know that there are a lot of people here in Waycross that uh, would fit that description, civic-minded and forward-thinking and all, but for one reason or another, it just has not clicked in our town. And I miss that old downtown, uh, just the feel of it, you know. I mean, that was my life, you know, growing up as a child was – and and if you lived downtown as a child, I mean, it was a different world. You could walk from your house mm-hmm. to downtown. You could hit every theater, every yep. little soda counter downtown. Yeah. I mean, you know, you spent the whole day there. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I think uh, I, I remember at one time I was running uh, tours, historical tours of just all the different sites and stuff through town and um, – I think at one point there were 54 passenger trains that came through Waycross. Mm. And back in like 1929, there was uh, all these articles published about how Waycross was going to be the new Atlanta. Oh, wow. Didn't happen, did it? No, it it did (laughs) not. Something went wrong. Yeah, I remember that that statistic. It seemed like size-wise Waycross, Savannah, Augusta, Columbus, Columbus. We were all at one point we we were all the same population, mm-hmm. and you look at all of the, them and how they just blossomed and 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 grew, uh, and here we are still still well, sitting here. But there's a charm here. Yeah, there's still I'm, a charm I'm, here. I'm glad I, it I don't is know if it it's is, such you know. a. I wish we had a better or uh, and people are trying. So I'm not trying to talk bad about it, but. 
you know, if, if downtown would pick up a little bit, I mean, I'm, yeah. I'd love it here. And I'd rather mm -hmm. live here than Atlanta, I'll tell you that. Oh, well, <laughs> you're right, right now, but, especially, you know. Um, Waycross is interesting in that, and over the years, uh, it's what's made me sad is I think we still have as big a pool of talent as we ever did. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But there was a time, and I'm sure you remember, I'm not saying there aren't a lot of bands and there's not a lot of performing and stuff going on, but it's not the same as it was. I know uh, uh, back when Dan Nancy Campbell was with the Downtown Waycross mm -hmm. Development Authority, you know, we were hopping down there. Yeah, well, the young people had a place to go. The theater people had a place to mm -hmm. go. You had... Uh, bars that you could go to that were open and mm -hmm. served food and it was all there together is very convenient mm -hmm. and um we just don't have those things i i think that if you could reintroduce some of those things people might actually go for them but yeah you know it's been a long mm -hmm. time so these yeah. other people they don't know what it's like yeah <laughs> well it has been and i could see i could see a resurgence Sure. I mean, that could happen just as easily as it didn't happen, you know. Uh, all we got to do is have a few people make some right choices, you know. Well, well you know, um, I think that uh, uh, if we can get a few <clears throat> things going that I'm starting to see happen, if um, Georgia stays film friendly, yeah, and if things continue to come back here to be produced that could help just yeah. in that you know uh we, we have a lot of features you know the yeah, topography is very unique here mm -hmm. and instead of coming to uh this area and shooting um you know wetland scenes they're still going to louisiana and stuff mm -hmm. well if you're you know, got a studio in Atlanta, it's a heck of a lot better to come down here yeah. and do that wetland stuff than it is to go all the way to Louisiana. I'm not knocking Louisiana. I have had a yeah. great time there. Mm -hmm. Woo-hoo, Mardi Gras, but, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, yeah. we, we yeah, have Yeah, the fact that. that we just had that major movie come here, or, you know. Yes, mm -hmm. that was Waycross, wasn't it? Yeah. That was right here Robert in our Niro. county. Robert De Niro and right. John Malkovich. Yeah, they did some uh, the background scenes. I don't think Malkovich or... Uh, they were never uh, here. De Niro made it, hit. but, yeah. but the, the, the film people actually did come. And... Um, some, you know, the fact that this town is kind of lost in time in some areas, you know, that like the downtown and the, the swamp and everything, it makes good for film i would think you know? oh yeah mm -hmm. oh yeah and i think that the people at the swamp are, are starting to think progressively about you know really uh, taking advantage of that unique mm -hmm. you know area that they've got so I, I see positive things like i say i'm really hoping that we can bring lydia back to the stage in the fall and that that will lead to something bigger and better beyond yeah, that i, I can uh, can't understand why that hadn't been made a movie by now, you know, <laughs> you know, that would, uh, that seems to be just uh, a great story. And Graham Parsons life. All right. That would be a great movie. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, it's already been that what was his death. Grand theft. Grand, grand theft yeah, Parsons grand theft was Parsons. more about his afterlife yeah. <laughs> uh, than anything. And it was a, 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 a black comedy. And, uh, but a, a really good movie on his, his incredible life would, and Lydia Stone, my God. Well, there's, there's a lot of people, uh, you know, and then you look at, you know, people like Obadiah Barber and there's yeah, just a lot yeah. of, 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 of good the Wild history. Massacre. Yeah, right. All of that. I mean, you know, um. Um, I do. I am. I like I say again. I'm. I'm partial to Lydia because of you know. I mean, how many people do you know rob a bank of their own money? <laughs> there were bank holidays during the depression, and so she rode in with doll baby armed. And when they the door was locked, she beat on the door till somebody came. And it's it's sorry because pulled her gun out. She always carried an Al had thirty eight. She came out with her money and well, supposedly she took him buried to little places all over. And people yeah. for years would go out there to where the, the those big oak trees are right there uh, where 121 and US-1 come together. That's where her home was. And people would go out there with metal detectors looking for those cans of money, supposedly. But Wow. Yeah. 121 and, and uh, US-1, that's Hoboken, right? And well, right, yeah, before, right before Folkestone. So 121... When William 21 comes past, um, uh, like, um, the road going down to Slaughterville, High Bluff Rock Road, yeah. you, if you take a ride on that and you come to where so, 121 meets US-1, there yeah. was a convenience store there for a while. Well, there was a big, grand oh, US wooden one. house that was there. Right. I was thinking about Highway 82. Right. Uh, and 82. that house burned down and Doll Baby died the next day. Oh, Double whammy. Yeah, yeah. Turns out I, I uh, found out during the last production that I did that um, he and I are cousins. You and Dolby? Yeah, because both of us were adopted by other people, and we did not have our original last names. Our Both of us, our original last name is Corson. Wow. And we share a common grandfather. He's, a you know, another great, great me or something. Yeah. His name was Alonzo Corson. And so Doll Baby and I were family. So that was really cool yeah. to find out that I had been writing it, about family. It was a kindred yeah. feeling all this mm-hmm. time. And I probably should have figured it out. My family's burial plot in High Bluff is on the same row as Lydia. I should have figured it out. But, uh, you know. Well, that's awesome. where my family is. That's all right. That's right. Well, and, you know, there. of course, my son married your cousin, Marie Griffin. Marie out in Emerson Park? Yeah. yeah. Your son married? Tony, my son Tony. Howdy dog. He married Marie. I mean, Marie's daughter, Melody. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, okay that's okay, what I meant okay. to say. You know, yeah, Marie's. Uh... Sorry, everyone, that I have just confused <laughs> about my entire family, but you know, hey, I'm an old man. Give us a break. <laughs> yeah, it's real interesting. Uh, I've played some. Uh, some uh, grave dedications in that cemetery, mm-hmm. and uh, for me, uh, uh, it was it was a real uh, a personal experience. The first time that I I walked down through the, the, the centuries, you know, mm-hmm. and I saw the 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 gravestones were getting older and older and older, and finally I went underneath this oak tree out there. 
and it was 1700s for a griffin and i was just like just overwhelmed wow. you know uh to think that you you're that they went that far back your lineage know, goes back that far way back yeah and we, uh but they all Savannah. they all drifted down you know like like many of them you know many of them came in in virginia and uh um uh, settlers did you know and they slowly generationally they kind of moved further and further down some of them get into the carolinas then generation go by and they'd be a little closer to the to down here and eventually well my great great granddaddy peter griffin and don't laugh all you people that, <laughs> family guy family guy he was a family guy <laughs> he uh, <laughs> he uh was raised on the cowhouse island well, all right. in in the okefenokee swamp and uh he ended up marrying uh margaret thrift okay and uh so uh there it is, right there, the the Okefenokee connection. <laughs> they're all, I mean, you know, they're all somehow connected to the people who are native to this area. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's only so many families, and um, mm -hmm. and it was a good thing, and you know, in writing the play, that I caught the last of those people who knew all of those people before they passed, people like Georgia McDonald. Uh, mm. whose husband Frank had uh, um, had a deal with Lydia uh, uh, to uh, get some money to buy something from him uh, during the Depression so they could go on a honeymoon. Wow. Uh, I mean, they, she was just, uh, you know, a trip. And, and all those people, um, Liston Elkins, mm -hmm. I was very lucky. You know, he was known as Mr. Okefenokee and the first uh, uh, manager of the Swamp he was. Park. Okay. And of course he had a radio show and uh, I got a, his notes because he was at one time going to write a book and his family passed those on to me whenever I started doing my Lydia research. So it was like, wow, just, oh, just stacks and stacks of knowledge. US one highway named after him. Right. Uh, there's a list in Elkins. God bless Jean, his daughter, she'd say, no, my daddy is not buried there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we used to see that marble uh, yeah. mm -hmm. monument, so to speak. Mm -hmm. uh, is, is, is it still there? They've or, moved it further down. Did they? Yeah, okay. I, I have down. lost touch with that over the years. Well, it was up there around where that Millie DeShazo triangle is, and then they moved it down yeah. further. Yeah. And I think it's somewhere like around Walmart or. Oh, that's, you know, that's kind of where I remembered it. I've just kind of lost touch no, it with it. You like know? By Burger King, right? Wasn't it right there? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah that yeah, would have yeah, been yeah, Millie yeah. DeShazo yeah. triangle yeah, was right he, about He was there. here. The turn mm -hmm. lanes and the Millie DeShazo triangle. <laughs> God bless them, Millie. <laughs> I tell you, that was a nice little section there that's gone undergone some serious changes over the years. But Lord, yes, I I remember when she was, you know, uh, 
lobbying for them to do something there. I mean, she wasn't like pushing for them to name it after her. Yeah. I kind of think that was just a kindness because she mm-hmm. was really pushing. She said, we've got to do something to this. Well, it was make it beautiful. Nice. I mean, I don't know what flowers that was, lilies or what what it was, but son, they would just sprout out in the spring red, just giant, these red blooms right. all over, all down that little triangle mm-hmm. right there. And, I think I think they had amaryllis in there. Is that right? I think so. Yeah. I can't remember Beautiful. exactly. And uh, to offset that beauty, you had A and W drive in, and a big tall cowboy yeah. <laughs> doing like this, saying, "Dude, I remember that." Uh, oh, mobile homes. That's a that Mansell. Uh, no, that oh, was Becky yeah, Mansell's yeah, daddy. Yeah, that was Josh Kirkland's. I was so granddaddy or great granddaddy. <laughs> and I loved that yes. cowboy when I was little, like <laughs> yeah. three or four. I was like, oh, see the cowboy. Lord, yeah. I yeah. remember that. It's like a Las Vegas son. Yeah, it's a huge cowboy. He was huge. Yeah. yeah and I can't remember like, the name of it, but it might have been Matt's. Was it Barnes? Was it Barnes? It could have been Barnes I think Mobile it was Home Barnes Sales. Mobile Home that had it. Yeah. But I'm pretty right. sure. <clears throat> right before you got to the um, bowling alley. Mm hmm. I, yeah. I, I can just remember it being Memorial Drive, but I mm-hmm. can't remember. Yeah, because we didn't have Corridor Z to cut right. everything no, out there. That's you know? right. Back you then, just had that had, turn left that at day. Millie DeShazo's. You had yeah. a, you had, a, I guess it might have been one traffic light because Reynolds Street paralleled mm-hmm. Memorial Drive. Mm-hmm. It was just over there, and you mm-hmm. couldn't take a right to at it. the Holiday Inn and go to it. You just went straight past right. the Cowboy. Right. Pass whatever was where Flash, well, Flash Foods and all, that's where the Cowboy was. That was was A&W. Yeah. And then beyond that, then, okay, I got you, I got you. (laughs) I don't remember A&W. I knew we had one, but I didn't know. Then there was the Bowling Alley, Mm -hmm. and then there was West Diner. West West Drive-In. West Drive-In was on the corner of, of, uh, you need to slide back over to you, Uh, Mike. City Boulevard. There you go. City Boulevard and... Uh, um, City Boulevard, and then... Uh, a Memorial Drive. Uh, Rental Street yeah. was... Uh, West Drive-In was at the f- top of Rental Street. You took a ride at West Drive-In, and you were on Rental Street. That's how we went to church every Sunday. We're old, Dave. And, <laughs> and right behind uh, the bowling alley on uh, Rental Street, there opened a bar... In 1975, that we used to play at, uh, it's called New Bar, the New Bar, and uh, this was probably before your time. I see you graduated in '82. Yeah, in yeah, '75. So it'd been seven I was, years. I was still in the fifth grade. <laughs> seven years, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But we. Uh, yeah, it's, it's just fascinating the way it's changed and everything. I wish somebody had the forethought to ride around with a. I wouldn't care if it was a silent movie an old camera, Super 8. an old Super Eight, Super and just 8. shot out, out the right side of the vehicle mm-hmm. as much of a way across as you could, and then double back and go back so you could get we, the other side. We were talking uh, when we were taking down. Uh, I. I uh, was helping Michael take down the the stage from Swamp Town, mm-hmm. and we got to talking. And oh, I forget the fellow who was there helping too. Ronnie. 
Yeah, I guess so. Ronnie Denard. And and we were talking about, and somehow or another, the the name Hubs came up. (laughs) And he was like, that's the name of that bar. And he had to go run, call somebody because they were, they remembered hubs. I'm like, that was hub rolling. You're not out. The rock factory. When I was a kid, Mm -hmm. I lived behind um, the state patrol station. Okay. My uncle Ronnie was a big straight patrolman. We lived back behind there. So I could walk down a path. And go and listen to the bands rehearse at the <laughs> Rock Factory. And, you know, actually, um, Steppenwolf was still together after, oh, what's what Steppenwolf's lead singer? Uh, John. John. John uh, he left for a while. Yeah. And so this was during the period the he had German left. Or something. Yeah, and I can't believe that I, I, I can't that, believe that I ain't can't coming to my either. mind But at least right we got now. John, so we... Mm-hmm. Oh, you go, Mr. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but we got um instant instant he, he wasn't there, library. but I but I but as a little kid, I got to listen to Steppenwolf, you know. Yeah. There were some really good bands that came through in that era. And I would just, you know, get up, you know, after <laughs> school, finish my homework and haul butt down the path and listen <laughs> to them play. And they, you know, come and let me check it out. It was great. It was really great. <laughs> Was it Tommy Holland or no, John John K? John, John K. K. Yeah. That's it. The guy with the sunglasses. Yep, that's it. You know, and and I've, I've always been Get your motor running, heading on the highway. I mean, and and they were good. The guy that replaced him was good, but it wasn't the same. Yeah, and I was always around. You know, some famous musicians, and I was too stupid to know whose butt to kiss. I mean, <laughs> Step Uncle was Shot Jackson. Oh, Lord. Now, there's a historic name. And, you know, I remember when Schott uh, came to town and uh, he and Roy Acuff replaced the roof on my step-grandmother's house. Wow. (laughs) And then they played a little concert. I mean, they literally got up there and changed shingles on... That sounds Hazel's like an episode roof. of Andy Griffith or something. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, and I, like I say, I was too stupid. Well, I was just a little kid. I was really a little kid, probably seven, you know, mm-hmm. and I didn't know to appreciate this. Mm-hmm. I didn't know the man. Oh, was that? God, he's on the Grand Ole Opry and he's on Hee Haw and he does this and he does that. And he, I mean, you know, God love Billy Ray. I get to hear the story of how. Shots and Willie trigger, <laughs> trigger every time, and, every time, and I just listen because I kind of, I, I just kind of think I that's kind of cool that that you know he thinks enough about old shot, you know, yeah, yeah. Well, you you going in there triggers that that one memory. <laughs> I mean, you're kin to shot, so let the story be told. Again. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, and it is. It's, it, it, well, it's for a good for story. people that are out there scratching their heads and wondering, Shot Jackson was one half of the Showbud mm-hmm. steel guitar, pedal steel guitar was designed by Show Shot Jackson, the Show, and Buddy Emmons, mm-hmm. the Bud of Showbud, and he also did. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, in the modern folklore, he did gift Willie Nelson uh, 
a Martin guitar, I believe mm-hmm. it was a Martin guitar, yep. the one that uh, Willie Bill, plays, you see, trigger, with the hole in trigger, it. Trigger, yeah. Supposedly, Willie, somehow it got stolen or lost mm-hmm. at a, in an airport in Texas, I believe, and Uncle Shot had a, a music store there in Tennessee, and so, uh, you know, Willie got a hold of him, and uh, Shot said, hey, I got something I think you'll like, and it was... Trigger, <laughs> and he's been with him ever since. Yeah. So, I mean, that's you know. the one that you see in those famous photographs mm-hmm. with the big, with hole. The the hole, big hole in it, the... where Willie's pick has and scraped that's, through that's, the ages. You know, so yeah, I think that that's pretty cool. You know, yeah. you know, um, um, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, yeah. as far as acting goes, back to the acting <laughs> now. <laughs> how many uh, famouses? Famous people well, have you rubbed shoulders with there, or well, I mean, or, or, or do we, or do we want to joke and mention the, the who famous I've been around, and then who famous has died afterwards? <laughs> um, On account of you? <laughs> well, I'm not exactly. I don't. I don't. If I do have this vibe, I don't mean to. Um, but I, you know, I've been fortunate um, throughout the years. The very first film I ever did was Andersonville. And uh, I had, um, and the director, of course, was John Frankenheimer, Manchurian Candidate, all just the mm-hmm. wonderful things. I mean, everybody worked with, you know, wanted to work with Frankenheimer, and so I did too. And uh, that day I had lunch with this very nice unknown actor named William H. Macy. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and we both. You know, we didn't kill him. No, no, no. He's he's still kicking. He's doing great. Uh, I did not put the the kiss of death on him. Um, I I I a few years later, do you know uh, through just some theater connections, uh, we met uh, uh, Frank Gorshin, who of course was a Riddler, yeah. and mm-hmm. Dick Van Patten from Eight Is Enough. Frank did pass not too long afterwards. God bless him. But it wasn't my fault, I swear. I did take him <laughs> homemade cookies. I took some to him and to Dick Van Patten. Dick Van Patten lived a little bit longer. He didn't eat cookies. He said he was a diabetic. His son ate them. He's still alive and well. <laughs> Frank may be gone, but, you know. Um, I, I really, uh, one of the coolest things, I was never a fan of John Travolta. But I was lucky enough to go down and work on Lonely Hearts. And you always really should kiss up to makeup and hair and costume because they might be the difference between you just stand around, no one ever sees you, or you're in the movie, actually. Mm -hmm. So somebody was gone. I was just supposed to do extra work. The costume lady comes in, comes in. She loves me. She says, he's a 40 regular. The next thing I know, I'm in a cop uniform. I'm doing a scene with Travolta and Scott Kahn and James Gandolfini, who didn't live too much longer <laughs> after that. <laughs> but I then, then I did later end up doing uh, 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 more scenes uh, with Travolta right next to him. I sang. The John Travolta. Really? We were standing oh, around. He looked at it. He looked at it. Man, we look like a bunch of guys in an old musical. What would we be doing? I said, oh, we'd be doing Guys and Dolls. Because I remember, that's Marlon Brando. 
And yeah. Travolta does Marlon Brando. Yeah. And so surely after the first, luck be a lady tonight, he goes, luck be a lady tonight. <laughs> and I'm just dying. Yeah. I'm there with Travolta singing like Brando. That was just like. <laughs> and then when they put us in the room where they were going to execute the characters played by uh, Salma Hayek and Jared Leto, yeah. who we both yeah. got, we got to work with too. Uh, my friend Larry, strangely enough, he ended up casting this film too as a a, a minister who did last rites to Jared Leto. We it was odd over the years we would do auditions for these diverse projects, and out of thousands of people, we would both end up cast. It was Larry really Larry Miller Miller who passed okay. away. God rest his soul. Yeah. He was a great guy, but. We, we, I spent the day right next to, to Travolta. I mean, all day. They moved us so close, we were touching. And you, you know, I couldn't help it. Larry came in with Leto and he saw me and I looked like the cat that ate the canary. <laughs> I was just like, because <laughs> I mean, and, and the nicest people though. <laughs> Salma Hyatt, gorgeous, yeah, beautiful, generous, kind <laughs> to everybody. Mm hmm. Jared Leto in another land. Oh, yeah. But a nice man, but in another world. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I get that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I really don't know that. Well, like I say, I, I, Mary Wilson, God love her. Okay. Now, she, uh, she was one of the Supremes. She was. She was one of the uh, four originals not, who were. Not uh, so the, much an actress. Well, she uh, unless. Uh, actually. As uh, the last few years, she did quite a bit of stuff. She did That's the right. vagina monologues, I did which I always laugh about. I just, I just always <laughs> hear the Saturday Night Live, uh, you know, uh, Charlton Heston going, "I like my vagina," <laughs> and you know, you just, I, you know, I, so I could never watch that show. I'd snort all the way through it, you know. <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah, she she did a lot of things. She ended up, uh, she did like. A lot of sitcoms and things, but she was great, and uh, she was one of the originals. Um, so really, uh, when I met her, uh, where was I, that at? The first time was down in Jacksonville, and I had uh, read that she was real turned on by white roses. So I sent her back some white roses. And I'll be honest, I was trying to sell a song, too. I mean, you know, I'm shameless. <laughs> so she said, oh, so you it. sent me that. She said, that was so sweet of you. And I got this big kiss on the lips from Mary Wilson of the Supremes. I'm like, oh, Jesus, you know, and wow. more number one hits than any other yeah. female group in history. Yeah. Twelve. I mean, yeah, yeah. that's awesome. And, um. And a, and a beautiful person. Well, um, she always, to me, was the prettiest yes, of the three Supremes. She was, she was a sexy had one. had Flo and Diana. Flo, Diana, and then early oh, yeah. on there was Betty and Barbara. Yeah. And they left. One had a baby. One just left to get married or something like that. And then later it was Cindy. And then they went on and That's on right, after yeah. Diana yeah. for quite a while and still had, you know, hit records. And, it, and mm -hmm. anyway, Mary was just nice. Uh, we took a bunch of pictures that first time, and the second time we saw her, she wasn't feeling well. Mm. But her grandson, who I believe was with her, he recognizes, and she came out and we mm. and signed, uh, you know, all my pictures and stuff. And then so we saw her one more time, and she was she was just a very she always remembered who you were, and it's cool. Yeah, she's a great lady, mm -hmm. and 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 it was one of those shock ones, yeah, you know, lately. <laughs> 
Mm-hmm. But I, I swear I didn't have anything to do with it. <laughs> <laughs> now, what about uh, you did something with Burt Reynolds? Um, yeah, some great guys that I've done um, three films with uh, in the past. Uh, are they have RKS um, Studios over in um, Valdosta? They shoot independent films. What's and the name of it? RKDS. That's Roy R-K-D-S. Kirkland and Doug Sebastian. Arcadius. Arcadius. It works out well. All right. Yeah. A clever name, you know. Clever guys do they do good work. Uh Gracie uh ended up because Gracie was a student of mine, so I knew she was good. I knew she could act. I had mm-hmm. taught her. And when I suggested her she auditioned she, and she auditioned, she nailed it. She ended up doing the film. Uh she was great. But those guys, they ran a film festival. And um the first one, Burt Reynolds was the guest, and he came out every night, and he did a little talk, and he showed all his films. Well, I was, you know, kind of like Burt's helper, well, you know, mm-hmm. helped him in and out of vehicles and got him what he needed and made sure <laughs> that the really crazy people, and there were crazy people, stalker-type people, stayed away from him mm-hmm. and kept him safe, <laughs> and he was really nice to me. I mean, um, we joked a lot. Um, he told me about how he and Clint Eastwood were fired on the same day. They were both under contract to Universal, and they're both sitting in front of this unnamed executive. Yeah. And he's just starting out on Clint Eastwood. He says, man, what can I say to you? It <laughs> takes you forever to say two words. You got two <laughs> words. Somebody can say blah, blah, and it's done and it's over. You go blah. <laughs> and look at that Adam's apple. What the hell can we do with that? You know, we can't make you up to get rid of that Adam's apple. You know, God, you look, you know. And then Bert says, well, what's wrong with me? And the guy says, well, you just can't act. Wow. You're fired, both of you. Just go. So they get up and they that walk must out. must have been early in, on in Yeah, and careers. they get into They're both under contract to Universal at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Clint had done like Tarantula and Revenge of the Creature. Yeah. <laughs> and so they walk out and they walk in the hallway and Bert said he went, that's a relief. He said, Clint looked at him and says, man, what are you talking about? We just got fired. He said, well, the man, the way I look at it, I can go and learn to act, but you ain't no damn way going to get loose from that Adam's apple. You got to have everybody. So, <laughs> and, you know, obviously, as always, the executive was wrong. Yeah. Right. But yeah, God bless him. Bert did pass just a few weeks <laughs> after. Oh, there's some many myths surrounding Burt Reynolds and Waycross, and I'm sure you've heard it. Yeah. Um Well start about Bert. <laughs> well, Bert Bert started it sort he of did. himself. Okay. And what what he this is what he and he had a, a really nice guy who was a producer who was also uh, sort of his all the time assistant. And this guy is, was also the one who interviewed him on stage when they were there. And he, when Bert was shooting White Lightning, he did an interview. And they were saying, well, you know, where would Gator McCluskey be from? And he spouted out, oh, he'd be from someplace like Waycross. Uh, uh, done. 
Okay, so then it sinks into myth, you know. Yeah. Then people start confusing something. I, this is what I think happened. People started confusing Pernell Roberts, mm-hmm. you know. I never, and, and I didn't kill Pernell either. <laughs> uh, but Pernell and Bert, Bert you know, and they, they were confusing the two. Yeah. And, and it just kept going back and forth, back and forth. And, you know, as everybody, well, my grandma said my grandma ain't going to be no liar. Now, you call my grandma a liar. I ain't going to take you out in the street and whip your ass, Burt Reynolds, is from here. So, I mean, after years of, you know, saying, he's from Lansing, Michigan, I uh, got him to tell me, I said, look, where I came from, everybody says you came from there. Did you come from, were you born in Waycross, Georgia? He said, no. I said, okay, so your mama didn't drop you off at the hospital here. No. You didn't go into false labor here. No. You didn't even stop over and spend the night while she was pregnant. No. (laughs) So I then posted the picture that Bert was so generous, he kept having his guy take pictures of the two of us. He was such a nice guy. And he, so he had one and I posted it later and it said one of these actors was born in Waycross. <laughs> <laughs> Piss some people off. <laughs> but I do that. It's okay. <laughs> well, let's take a quick break and we come back and maybe you play us some music. Yeah, sounds good to me, guys. Something in my brain won't let me stray. Something in my veins gonna find its way Something in the water taught me how to pray When the cold black water finds its way into your veins You'll never be the same Well folks, we're back Something in the Water podcast <laughs> with our guest this week, Mr. John Yeomans, playwright, producer, uh, songwriter, man of many talents. And I think we're going to, you got a few excerpts you want to? Well, yeah, I thought, you know, that would probably yeah. be best, especially since I don't accompany myself very often. <laughs> All right. And there's probably a good reason for that, you know. But, uh, one of the things, of course, you know, I'm working on right now is trying to get Lydia back on the board. So, right. you know, we're trying to kind of, you know, if we can get some musicians' brains kind of saying, hey, that, I'd like to be involved with that. I wouldn't mm-hmm. mind hearing from some people. Um, I, and I've talked to you some about, you know, the way the style of the show is, the uh, the opening number, which is, of course, predict, you know, makes Lydia sound like this big grand character. You get to this big grand thing, you, you think she's mm-hmm. going to be all regal, and the next thing you know, she's all wallowed in mud from having just... <laughs> wrestled a hog with her bare hands and had dinner that night. So, you know, anyway, but this is just a little touch of the beginning. And then, you know, like I say, it has that background thing. It's kind of like that Dillard sort of thing, you know, but, uh, you know, it just kind of. Legend of Lydia, queen of the swamp, as strong as any man. The only woman who had the strength to tame the trembling land. The only time she wasted was five days spent in school. 
She rode down south to lend a hand upon an old red mule. Oh, Lydia, Lydia, her skirts are spinning round. Just like a black tornado, she'd come tearing into town. Lydia, oh, Lydia, knew how to get her way. Old timers tell their children tales to keep her legend alive today. And then it goes on and on. And again, like I say, you know, you're expecting yeah. this regal thing, and here she comes in, you know, full yeah. of bars and stuff. But it's a fun thing because you've got the men going, and the women are going, Miss Lydia, Miss Lydia, Miss Lydia, Miss Lydia, Miss Lydia, tame the trembling land. And all during fleshed the fleshed out. Yeah, and they're just doing the things that normally happen yeah. in the course of. You know, work there. Cool. Um, one of my other, the songs that I, I you know, appreciate, the, you know, like myself, I actually enjoy mm -hmm. this song, uh, was written for a friend of mine who played the character Lazy Man. Lydia, as the lyric said, went uh, all the way down to Miami on a red mule to <laughs> take care of her sister who had a stroke. And, of course, wow. everything fell apart while she was gone and people got lazy and everything. So the Lazy Man, who was my friend Dave Gibson, who just passed. He mm. was a great guy, and he's one of the few people I wrote a song for. But this is a little bit of that. And it goes, When the cat's away, the mice will play. And there's a great big rat asleep on the hay. He drank all night, and now he sleeps all day. There'll be no rocks in his jaw when it's time to get paid. He passed around that jug, boy. He drank himself his fill. Well, the wine of the Yogi Fano comes from local still. <laughs> you know? And it's basically about that. Lydia comes back in and they're all laughing. And she's like, hey, you think that's funny? And of course, Lazy said, well, yes, ma'am. Yes, you do, Miss Lydia. He says, yeah. Well, I'm glad you appreciate that because you got two choices get back to work or the long and winding road. And she snaps that whip and those boys get back to work. <laughs> but um, that's just kind of the flavor of the way lit the Lydia show is. There's square dance music, and, mm -hmm. you know, it's just sort of that period. There's a, a little thing that uh, we always joke. They always say, oh, that's your 16-ton song, and it's a depression number, which just has an old blues kind of thing. It says, you know, we're hard on my life to get what you can by the sweat of your brow and the skill of your hands now. All I'm wearing is all that's mine Except these blues I got since the crash of 29 yeah. And I always said, I thought it was Stray Cat Strut I stole yeah, yeah. Well, it, it's got that feel, to go, both yeah. of them actually. But you know, um, yeah. I purposely did that I took uh, riffs and uh, blues patterns and things mm -hmm. that were really familiar Familiar to Because that way It sticks mm -hmm, And you leave mm -hmm. the show humming, humming, thinking mm -hmm. about that music And, and that's what you know mm -hmm. I mean, as, as a person, you know, who, for what I like is music, it's very avant-garde I like it off the wall, you know, mm -hmm. but, you know. Um, uh, I, Another, just, just <laughs> a, you know, other work that I really particularly like uh, uh, There's a number in Psycho, which is also a kind of a blues number And I think of it as sort of a uh, fat New Orleans kind of a sound. It's uh, and it goes. In. Oh, sorry, wrong key helps, doesn't it? <laughs> I 
was the number one detective in the FBI. I put the gleam in Eddie Hoover's eye. Check the dictionary and write there beside. My picture is the entry spy, so don't be pulling the wool over my eyes. I'm cooler than Jack Webb, there's no <laughs> doubt. If you're hiding something, I'll find out. Look at this picture, what do you see? Do you know this girl's identity? And you best tell the truth. Cause I'm no cheap detective And I'm not Charlie Chan I'm just a private dick for hire And I always get my man <laughs> Anyway, you know, uh, the last time we did that, Neil Morris did it. Really? And uh, when I sent him the song, he picked up the phone. He called. He said, man, I'm in. Any song where I get to say I'm a cheap dick, I'm doing it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. So, you know. But, um, you know, that's just the kind of stuff, you know, a lot of them. Uh, I, you know, uh, the one of the biggest uh, compliments I ever got about any of the music that I did, the late Skip Sasser, God bless Skip. Mm-hmm. He was uh, working, doing some songs in the recording studio where we were recording uh, Psycho. And uh, the guy who was engineering, he kind of said, hey, you want to hear this? You know, like, this is some weird stuff. And, you know, at the end, Skip was like, oh, my God, that's brilliant. <laughs> that's awesome. That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. And the number that he, he did, strangely enough, came from a theme I heard the Afghani Mujahideen sing when Dan Rather was there in the 70s. And it went, mother is my name and murder is my game. I'm a little bit insane and so's my Norman. (laughs) And that was a theme that was literally the Mujahideen. So I hope that I'm not on a kill list. Um, I, I did it with respect. (laughs) <laughs> but uh, you never know. Did you have something for the uh, the great shower scene? Oh, that was well, it. When mother was it. when mother comes in, you know, she's just sitting there. She's showering. She takes her clothes off. We do it so that you see her in silhouette. Yeah. And you know, mm-hmm. try to have something with pretty good in there. You know, and <laughs> it's building. <laughs> and then you. Have, <laughs> As you hack her up. And you know, it's so surprising how many people love death. <laughs> I mean, they just the like voices that you do in that was so so awesome. <laughs> oh yeah, it was great because well, you know, like mother with the mother, it's like um um let's see, uh you know, it's like mother, you know, Norman's like singing, you know, mother's back, I'm here to stay. A few more stitches and it's time to play. And it's you know then mother comes in saying, I hate to have to hate to have to kill that little boy. You know you turn you back to the audience and whoever's playing mother dead, you know. <laughs> and then you leave the stage and you're on your mic backstage and just as you think it's all other mother rises up. <laughs> and it it was fun, you know, to yeah. turn that whole thing around. You know, I mean, you know. I figure if you can make a joke out of serial killing, you know, 
Why not? <laughs> <laughs> but that's you know that's that, that that's really the gist of kind of the kind of stuff. I, um, you know, um, like I say, I'm not the greatest accompanist for myself. <laughs> oh, I love it. But, this, um, this, is, this is the uh, instrument you wrote on, right? Uh, actually. The instrument that I wrote on was really teeny and tiny oh. and had fallen and broken so many times. It had clothespins glued where some of the keys were. Oh, wow. <laughs> and that was where I went, and, and I had this little thing that would do two tracks. So I did that, and then I went to, an, to somebody else who had a large PV uh, DPM-488, which was, you know, state-of-the-art at the time, floppy disk and all that mm -hmm, stuff, you know. Mm -hmm. And I did each number there. And... Oh gosh, I, I learned a hard lesson one night. I, I had I caught the flu as we were doing it, and uh, I slightly overdosed on cold medicine. <laughs> and so I did this one number. It, it's a mystery, which is uh, the sister going to the house right before she discovers, you know, Norman's dead mother. And it sounds so trippy. It could have been on Magical Mystery oh, Tour. Man, it could have been you, on the White Album. You still have a copy of that? Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll let you hear <laughs> it sometime, right. you know. But it was fabulous. It was the, I call it the Robo song. <laughs> but, um, and Melissa West loved the fact that I did that that way because mm -hmm. it made it so that she could take her time getting up the spiral staircase and take her time coming down the spiral staircase. I mean, I could have done three instrumental verses for her and she would have been fine, but bless her heart, <laughs> you know. <laughs> She's like, it works, John, it works. So, that's all that mattered. Well, that was awesome. We appreciate you sharing well, that. I appreciate you That guys. little bit with us yeah. there, yeah, yeah. Guys, give gives uh, the audience a glimpse into uh, well, and 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 yeah, just I mean, it's just the basics, the bare bones of a of a any production, right? Anything oh, is yeah. is is the germs of the ideas that we get, you know, and uh, you can pull it back if you need to. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, yeah, and, and of course, you know. Those ideas, you know, that they, they start little and tiny, mm -hmm. and then you can, especially something, you know, like a stage production, it can grow. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. And then when you see what doesn't work, you can come and subtract it and add other mm -hmm. things. And I mean, I do miss, you know, just getting out there and doing straight music. I mean, I really miss that. Mm -hmm. That That's one of the things <laughs> that is like, oh, if I could just scrap it all, what would I do? <laughs> and I just, you know, go and do music and. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, speaking of music, uh, did you play in any uh, local bands when you were coming along? <laughs> did you do any stuff like that? Well, like we all as, did. Yeah, as a matter did of fact, I did. Um, not, a, not a tremendous amount because I came along at the point in time where there were a couple of things going on in music. Disco. Ah, I yeah. hate it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Abhorrent. And progressive rock, which was just so, it's like, oh, God, I don't want to have to have a degree to play this <laughs> yeah. stuff, you know? And, I, and you, know, I, you know, 
And I'm not talking like Zappa, you know, Zappa was, you know, that was experimental John, aggressive and like, I could really yes. enjoy that, but I didn't want to hear, yeah, yeah, but you know, these overcomplicated Lake bands, it was just too much yeah. for me. So of course, when the punk movement came along and it threw back to the garage bands, mm-hmm. oh, I was in heaven, took me a while to talk some people into, okay, we don't have to play only Leonard Skinner. Let me <laughs> let you hear this band called the Ramones mm-hmm. and try mm-hmm. to talk you in this clash and in the sex pistols and then, you you know, and Patty Smith mm-hmm. and the Talking Heads and all that stuff, and um, more experimental things. You know, uh, getting into thanks, I'm Babbin Mike's. Um, <laughs> I'm old school. I'm old school theater, so you know, uh, I, I you know we project. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, you know, I like experimental music. I like the avant garde, and mm-hmm. but I really enjoyed that throwback to the garage band sound. Yeah. You know, the things that were like the Count Five and the Standells and, yeah. you know, the kind of stuff yeah. I'm talking about. Love that old yeah, stuff. Yeah, I love that stuff. Um, Me too. Getting back to the origins. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, folks, I guess it's about time for another tale of the week. That's T-A-I-L. Of the W E A K. These are little stories from my childhood and uh, out of my mind. Uh, and this one is aptly entitled The Piano Man. <laughs> <laughs> Got a picture of me, Uncle Dave, and the new piano from 1965. <laughs> That's my dog, Sport, in the background. (laughs) Let me uh, exercise my right to read. (laughs) Oh, you know, I relate. I had to put them on just the keys, so I got you. (laughs) Landreth Trevathan Laughinghouse, or LT as we called him, was my uncle. He was a weightlifter and bodybuilder early on in his young adult days and a larger-than-life figure in my childhood eyes. There was always that faded newspaper clipping that Mama would pull out and read to us about the Waycross man who ate two dozen eggs, a pound of bacon, a loaf of bread for breakfast, washing it down with two cases of six-and-a-half-ounce Coca-Colas. This was superhero status as far as I was concerned. (laughs) LT married Mama's sister, Quita, in the early 50s. Shortly after, they opened a small grocery store out Albany Avenue in Waycross, Georgia, calling it Little Little Star Food Store. As a child, a trip to downtown Waycross was not complete without a visit to Little Star, where we would find candy galore, Marvel comic books, and an old chest-type Coke container filled with soda bottles resting in ice-cold water. LT and Quita's home was just two houses down from the store, and when we visited, Uncle LT would almost always showcase his musical skills on the family's living room piano. He would have me stand right next to him as he played, grandly cascading and crescendoing up and down the keys, the whole time smiling and staring me in the eye. That part was just a little bit weird. (laughs) (laughs) It was Uncle LT and his piano that provided the impetus for my first piano lessons. 
during my sixth grade school year at Memorial Drive Elementary in 1965. As a military brat, I was quite used to uprooting and moving from town to town, from one school to another. In 1958, I entered kindergarten and spent all but the last week of first grade in Tripoli, Libya. Then we moved back home. My final week of the first grade was at Memorial Drive in Waycross with Ms. Barwick as my teacher. Daddy was immediately relocated to Turner Airfield in Albany, Georgia, so I entered the second grade at Isabella Street Elementary in Albany. When he got stationed in South America later that year, Mama moved us back to Waycross for the second half of the school year at Memorial Drive. My teacher was Mrs. Holzendorf, and I have long forgiven her for threatening to put me in the book closet for being a slow reader. My 61-62 third grade year was spent back in Albany at Turner Elementary, 4th and 5th at Sylvester Road Elementary, then winding up back at Memorial Drive as Daddy headed off to Vietnam, leaving us behind on Dog Hill for a glorious year with our best friends and kinfolk we dearly love. As I was sitting as I was sitting in Ms. Dill's sixth grade class one day, an announcement was handed out that piano lessons were to be offered in the school lunchroom twice a week. So there I was perched on a piano bench with my John Thompson's Modern Course for Piano book, my instructor guiding me through the fundamentals of scales, hand positions, and note values, while my less fortunate classmates were stuck in Georgia history. Over the next three months, I spent a lot of time at the Laughing House house practicing what I learned at school until one afternoon Mama surprised me with a beautiful mahogany upright piano with the name Harvard engraved just above the middle C note. She bought it in downtown Waycross from Bradshaw's Appliances, which primarily sold washers, dryers, and refrigerators. I think the Bradshaw Appliance store in 1965 may have been where Crosstown wow. ended up. I'm not sure. I can't remember. I know that that was Bradshaw's at one time, and then it was Scotty's Drugs. and uh, Across from the Ritz. Right across from the Ritz. So it could have been Scotty's Drugstore by then, and Bradshaw reopened on on uh, um, Carswell, right across from the bank there. At the end of the course, I played the last song in the first book, Dublin town at my piano recital. That was the end of my piano lessons. But years later, when I got serious about music and songwriting, I was able to use those keyboard fundamentals in bands and in the recording studio, and they served me well. But unfortunately, outside of Button Gwinnett, I don't remember a whole hell of a lot about Georgia history. <laughs> <laughs> the end. <laughs> Yay. That's great, Dave. That's great. <clears throat> well, we want to thank you, John, for coming on yeah. with us. Awesome. My pleasure. Thank and, you. Uh, I'd like to thank all of y'all for coming back and watching again. And be sure and uh, 
email us at our something to water podcast at gmail.com. And we have a Patreon. You can check that out. Rate, review, like, yeah, yeah, subscribe. Just, just don't rate my keyboard playing. <laughs> <laughs> Love my ideas, not my playing. <laughs> we'll see That's you great. next time. All right. Hey.